Welcome to Our Soul, a podcast by Kelly Fox and Terry Williams from the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. Hello, everyone. Uh, we're back with another podcast episode. This this time, unfortunately, we are not in person, but the vibes are still there, aren't they, Terry? The the vibes are totally here, and we're talking about two a words, right? We're talking about abortion and abolition. Yeah. We're uh, we're doing a lot of work at Ohio RCRC with topics around abolition. There's a new book study, book club that's uh, starting up. Kelly is doing this amazing, amazing, amazing (laughs) sequel to the Transformative and Restorative Justice Book Club. It is a book club called Abolition Reads. And I had some friends reach out to me um, this last week when all the promos hit our social media. And they're like, so, like, abolition. I thought you guys were all about abortion. And I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. I'm like, I, I need that on a shirt, all about abortion. Like, yes. you know, we're, we're faithfully pro-choice and all about abortion. But, like, abortion and abortion access are tied up with things like bodily autonomy, mm-hmm. dignity and respect for all persons. Like, mm-hmm. those are aligned values. And abolition is a key part of that. And... Mm-hmm. I have spent a great deal of the last couple of weeks explaining to people what abolition is. So, so Kelly, I'm I'm going to do a little role play here with you. Okay. Um, I'm going to be I'm going to be totally ignorant, All which right. is really easy for me to do, right? As like you know, a white guy. Uh-huh. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> just I'm just saying, folks. Like so, so often. I mean. Um. Anyway, I won't 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 get off on that, but. Um, I'm going to pretend that I know absolutely nothing about abolition. And I come to you and say, Kelly, like, like, what, what kind of abolition are you talking about? Do you mean like prison abolition? Like we're going to get rid of all the prisons and, you know, stuff? Or do you mean like police abolition? Like, what do you mean by abolition? I need to know what this means yes so um both all of it yes um we are saying earlier you know abolition is we we're taking the whole system and we're throwing it in a pile and we're taking a match throwing it at it and walking away (laughs) um but when when i think about abolition yes it's prison abolition yes it's police abolition but all of the systems that have built up and created those two uh, complexes, the the prison industrial complex and the way that the police force like destroys the lives of black and brown people. Um, I like taking all of the systems that build that up, like capitalism, like uh, the the ways that the intimate and intricate ways that white supremacy is in our society, um, the ways that people are trapped in poverty, all of those systems and all of those policies and all of those little things that build up a world where not all people can thrive. In fact, if you're not cis, white, straight, male, uh, then you then you don't really have a full opportunity to thrive. And so abolition is about creating a world where everyone can thrive and everyone has an opportunity to choose how you know the world looks where they live. Um, I see abolition a lot about community and about um, 
being able to decide what your life should look like. And as a, a black femme, um, talking about abortion and abolition is like in, uh, intricately connected. So when it comes to abolition, um, I, I see it as like being able to shape your society into a way that everyone can thrive, making it so you don't have a an organization that claims to be for your safety who's secretly killing you. Well, not secretly, very publicly killing you. Um, and instead creating something that actually gives you safety and that being a way of taking your life and putting it in your own hands um, and being able to build something that your community can thrive in. And with abortion, you know, not having the option to uh, have an abortion or to choose uh, what your life looks like because that authority has been put in the hands of the state um, is wrong. And so abortion is taking the um, authority over your body from the state and saying, no, if I don't want to have a kid, I'm not going to have a kid and I get to choose what my life looks like and that looks like this. Um, it's, it's very much so based in reproductive justice where, uh, you know, reproductive justice is all about racial, economic, and reproductive justice. So it's not just about abortion, but it's about being able to have a place where your family can thrive, where you can thrive, um, where you have financial opportunities so you can actually raise kids, where, you know, there's, there's just so many systems that make up the oppression that, um, leads to all different kinds of problems and abolition is just taking all of those systems and uh, intentionally working through them and saying like this is how we make this better and I just don't think enough people have realized that that's an option um, I often think about like uh, I took a philosophy and film class in college and in that class uh, they talked about like how uh, utopians are uh, essentially impossible because somebody is always at the bottom like having to do the work to make the utopia happen um, and I think when people think about abolition and like abolition of all these systems they might think of that but the problem is <laughs> there doesn't have to be a person at the bottom like we don't have to exploit people to have a good society if we're intentional and we're uh, open and we're clear and people know what's going on and people can also state their needs when they have them then a society where it's good for everyone i believe is possible wait a minute wait a minute though so <laughs> what you're telling me is abolition means we can all get there together yeah when we talk about it, when we talk about a new society we talk about a better society Abolition means a belief that we can all get there together and we don't have to sacrifice some people yeah. for the benefit, safety, and thriving of others. Yeah. And well, it's possible. Glory! Isn't that fantastic <laughs> to hear? I mean, that that's, you know, for me, that's where I'm going to go now every time when people ask me about abolition <laughs> because part of, part of the struggle for a, a lot of us in the United States, we struggle to hold complex views together mm -hmm. unless we have already seen like a demonstration of exactly how that's going to work out like we want to see the finished product before we get there and when you're innovating and creating something new and creating something transformational 
that's just not how that works. Yeah. When when the RJ mothers got together in 1994 and said we need to find a way to articulate what indigenous women, women of color and trans people have been fighting for for many many years, right? For centuries at that point. They came together around this definition of reproductive justice, which of course you've you've mentioned, you know, we here at Ohio Ohio RCRC talk about reproductive justice in terms of uh, the way that Sister Song defines reproductive justice. Sister Song, fantastic RJ organization, um, nationwide leader on on so many levels around RJ work in communities. Sister Song defines reproductive justice as the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, to have children, to not have children, and to parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. So when we talk about reproductive justice and abortion, right, because abortion is a key element of reproductive justice. Access Mm -hmm. to abortion is a key element of reproductive justice. Mm -hmm. Another key element of reproductive justice is abolition, particularly abolition of all of these systems that prevent that third, uh, you know, piece of, of the traditional three pillars, right? that third piece of we have the right to parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. Safe and sustainable communities ought to be for everybody. Yeah. And abolition says we believe we can all get there together. We do not have to sacrifice some people or some groups of people on literally an altar of you know producing this outcome for other folk. Safety will never be achieved by harming other people. Right. Safety is not harming other people before they harm us or harming other people so that we stay in control. Yeah. Right. And safety is about knowing that your bodily autonomy is respected in dignity and in law by everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like a, a part of creating a good society and um you know thinking about this idea of a utopia though that's not necessarily what i'm expecting when i think of abolition uh just thinking about that idea of utopia and what a good society looks like i think the problem is that people think that they don't have to do anything to get there and that's not true like obviously we know the work of abolition takes time and a lot of advocacy and a lot of personal work and a lot of the stuff that we did with the restorative and transformative justice um keep saying podcast but it's a book club uh the with that book club we worked a lot about internally like how do we make ourselves people who can make a world where abolition is possible that's a lot of what we talked about there but like even when we like let's say abolition happens we we have a world where people can thrive, where people can choose whether or not to have families um, and have safe and thriving communities. And that extends to everyone. Um, and when we get there, that doesn't mean that you don't ever feel bad feelings. It doesn't mean that nothing bad ever happens. It just means that you have a society that's built to react to that. And a part of being a part of that society is having to do the work of making sure that like you know you are able to ask for what you need and when people ask you for what they need you can either provide what you can or like pass that off to someone else like you know having having relationships with people when you're in a relationship you have to do work to maintain that relationship and to keep that relationship good and healthy and strong 
and I think when people think about a utopia or about a good society or about like what the world will look like after um, all of these systems have been torn down that doesn't mean that it's a world where there's no work to be done now, there see, is th always that interpersonal and uh, that societal work that continues to need to be done now see when when you talk about it that way I uh, being being an Appalachian and a lifelong Christian, um, I always think about the real struggle that we have in the church about talking about social justice, racial justice, economic justice, all, all the concepts of, you know, finding a more just world today. We, we always have a struggle with that with some communities that think we should all just wait until the hereafter, right? Oh, we should all just wait because it's not going to be. I've, I've heard it said so many times in, in my context uh, by many different people. Oh, things aren't going to be perfect till we're in heaven, right? That, that kind of utopian idea, right? Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that think about that, that over yonder, you know, heavenly theology as if like we just wait until we die and then all of a sudden everything gets better. And, you know, I've got a mansion somewhere <laughs> in glory, right? Like it becomes this romantic version of like, okay, so now we're all the plantation owners that have our own little mansions and... Um, nobody does any work and everybody it? sits around. Like, right, that right. comes back to this idea of like a utopia and there has to be someone at the bottom. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the the thing is like, instead of there being someone at the bottom, we all lighten the load together. Yeah. It's yeah. not putting that on one group of people. We're all doing just a little bit to make the whole thing happen. And and, and I always I always kind of get in the weeds with people about about traditional ideas of heaven. Like, I like to think about things like inflation in heaven, mm -hmm. right? Like, people always talk about, oh, we're going to walk on streets of gold. Well, honey, if, if your streets are paved with gold, gold's not going to be really expensive anymore, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, there there's some basic uh, misunderstandings about, about what that that hereafter over yonder you know concept looks like the other problem with that in in theological circles is always that somehow some way uh the great majority of people who believe in a heaven like that you know great big mansions and gold streets and jasper walls um they also believe in a hell where everybody they don't like gets to go and that kind of stuff is is so harmful because i think that theology has harmed our ability to see into a new future that we can actually make real here because it does two things. First off, exactly what you said, it creates a theology where some people think you don't have to do anything uh, to have this really great, fantastic society. Like, there's no maintenance. Somebody else does that. Like, it just magically happens. And then it creates the, this idea that there are some people who are dispensable or disposable. And I think, I think religion, when religion operates poorly, religion divorces us from our responsibility that is deeply connected to our power, privilege, and authority. Like, things that we have power, privilege, and authority over with and within ought to call us to greater responsibility for the things that we do. And having that over yonder theology or that utopian theology of, of a lazy utopia, you know, what you've outlined, that defeats the reality that we never get a society that is more just without engaging. Yeah. And we're never going to get a society that's more just and equitable by just sitting around. 
Yeah. You know, so so from a theological perspective, you know, for me, as I sit here in the Christian tradition and, and also as I observe other traditions, um, you know, particularly uh, folk in, in Jewish traditions, certainly this is, you know, rings true. There's a responsibility ethic that calls us to create a more just world. There is a responsibility ethic that calls us to do the kinds of things that, you know, people like Jesus and many of the early rabbis did, which was analyzing the systems and acknowledging that they are not working for the people they need to be working for. Like, the, the systems are broken, and the systems need to not be tweaked, but completely transformed they yeah. they need to be completely overhauled i would i would actually push back on the the systems being broken because i think the problem is that the systems were not built with the right uh, mm. outline of what they should have been built with mm-hmm. they were built for mm-hmm. a certain class of people who saw everyone else's disposable or see everyone else's disposable and so therefore that entire system does not fit the criteria I'm talking in like uh, rubrics here, Um, but it does not fit the criteria of what we as a society need. You know, if uh, if our economic system was built to, uh, you know, uphold, uh, for example, you were talking about plantations, plantations owners and those who uh, had slaves like that obviously is not going to build a society that have people like me and like a great population of people of color like that's not it's just not it was not built for what it is currently being used for and therefore should be replaced like if you have uh i was my my sister-in-law just bought a new computer and uh the computer that she had was from like uh it was like 10 years old almost and she was using it to do heavy lifting photo editing in 2021 and i was like listen there are computers that are built for the things that you need it to be built for that work much better do it much easier and have much less strain on the on yourself and the machine you're operating and if you this replace, ain't it yeah. if you just replace <laughs> the one that you have and get something that works better for you it's going to be ultimately better in the long run yeah. and yeah. um i think that the whole the whole system was just not built for what it's being used for and some people don't want to admit that that system is built for them and that it needs to be changed and other people are like this thing is not built for me it doesn't work for me like we need to fix something and uh because they're not the people empowered then it continues to be used poorly and also i think that another issue is that uh you know if we're talking about plantation owners or just like the people who have held power in the society for ever, uh, I feel like there's such a close tie with the power and the privilege and all of that, like a identity tie to that, that like if we tear down capitalism, like what is left for me, you know? It's like, oh, maybe you need to be a better person i don't know i don't know how to explain that like if, if we create a uh, a society where like people like have health care or where you have to pay pay your fair share for the betterment of your entire community uh what like 
I think that some people have such a close tie to having that privilege that if it's given to other people, it feels like it's diminishing their identity. And that's why I think that everyone needs to go to therapy and <laughs> needs to do some personal work because the um, if we are not actively fighting against our own demons, um, our own sinful nature, which may lead us to make selfish, selfish decisions that impact far beyond us, um, then we're going to continue to have a society that's not built for what we're asking it to do, you know? And I, I love that image, the, the image of, you know, like a computer screen flashing, like system upgrade required, mm-hmm. right? Like this system literally cannot function. This system is not functioning. This system is, it, it's, it's not, it, mm-hmm. it's just not able to continue. Even though the system is perfectly aligned to get the results it's getting for a very small portion of society. You know, I, 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 li- I like to call that the Downton Abbey effect. You remember Downton Abbey, like, was really, really big a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved, like, I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, bougie white queer, right? <laughs> so, like, as a white queer person, love Downton Abbey because, like, okay, it's, it's you know, uh, early 19th century England, England uh, 20th century England, sorry. See, don't even know, don't even know my times. But anyway, anyway, really fancy people, old-fashioned accents, really nice houses. Except, here's the thing, they're not around anymore because as it turns out, having these gigantic estates that literally require thousands of people to live in squalor to supply all of the things necessary to keep that estate running and the 30 or 40 or 50 servants that it takes to wait on three or four or five people is inherently immoral. Mm -hmm. It's violence to human dignity to expect all of these people to consistently sacrifice their own well-being, work six and a half days a week, just to make sure that the lord and lady of the manor are able to have seven different outfits all day and, you know, come down at the dressing gong for a fabulous dinner and cocktails. Like, that effect, that idea that somehow we should order society in a way that doesn't put one person at the top of a pile of hundreds beneath them who are in disparity and despair, somehow that idea just doesn't seem too radical to me. So when we talk about, like, you know, disrupting capitalism or dissolving capitalism, it's kind of like asking people who only know how to play the game of checkers to somehow switch to playing chess. People just don't understand. They don't know what's possible, except we have lots of examples throughout history of societies that didn't operate on the same system. We have indigenous populations that for thousands of years before we got here, we meaning me and, you know, people of European descent like me, before Europeans got here, indigenous populations thrived. I mean, I'm in Chillicothe, Ohio right now, right? I can go right down the road to Mound City. I can go right down the road to, you know, Ark of Appalachia has a ton of preserved sites of places that were active in commerce, religion, life in general, economics in this region 3,000 years ago. 
they sure weren't worried about a a full capitalist you know economy and a market-based system in that society right because they didn't need that to function they had a cooperative society that did things differently we have these examples we have just done a really really great job of doing horrible things to those cultures and societies yeah. through colonialism and the violence that has come out of that and abolition is seeking to change that narrative it's seeking to flip that that prevailing script over the last 400 or so years that has been pervasive and to remind us that we don't have to stay stuck in the mistakes we've been making for four centuries yeah. right we we can change and yeah. and i think like what you just reminded me of is that you know earlier you were saying that like we don't we don't like to pursue like as a society we don't like to pursue things when we don't have an actual blueprint of how how it's worked before and when we're doing something that's transformative and new like there is no blueprint but there are blueprints we've just destroyed them we've just destroyed the societies that were doing the thing that now we should be wanting to do um and i think that a lot of what abolition requires especially of white people um and people who have been privileged by the the uh, systems that currently exist is taking a look and saying like oh this is the way that i've contributed to not having abolition happen and here are the ways that i've been living into this and i need to take a step and like forgive myself for that and ask for forgiveness from the people who have been most hurt and do work to actually make things better um it i mean you can if if any of you listening um have not tuned in for our um, conversations about the restorative and transformative justice book club um we talked a little bit about that while that was going on before but um now uh if you want to check out those books we obviously still have that stuff up on our live streams and you can watch those um but what we're doing now is we've taken a minute to like talk about the ways that we've contributed to the system talk about the ways that our own lack of vulnerability and our own um inability to see what do they call it uh don't don't try to take the speck out of your brother's eye before you take out <laughs> the plug in your own or the the big post in your own like we've we've started to take a look at the post in our own and try to take that out um but now we need to do work into how we you know move forward from that and so um that's kind of like what we're hoping to do with the Abolition Reads Book Club that starts on July 27th at noon. We're doing a noon time now. And again, the with the book club, if you haven't read the book and you just want to join into the conversation, like that's totally fine. I've I will have read the book <laughs> and I can bring any information from that. Um, but it's just important to have these conversations, not only about how we better ourselves, but how we take that self-betterment and that self-actualization uh, that we kind of talked about in the, the last week when we mentioned How the World Works by Bo Burnham. Um, we take that self-actualization and put it out into the world and actually do something to make abolition possible. So 
that's what we're doing with that. Amen. And just a heads up to everybody who's listening, we are going to have book giveaways for each one of the books for the book club. So if you watch our social media, you're going to have opportunities to be entered into a book giveaway um, to get your own copy of these texts. You can also, like, go to the library and, uh, you know, take these out. Uh, They're certainly available if you're in, uh, you know, most metropolitan areas. I was able to find them uh, here in Chillicothe at my local library. So just to let you all know, make sure, even if you're not able to get a copy of the book, even if you're not able to make the time to read, feel free to come, join along anyway in the conversation because abolition is the conversation we need to be having no matter where we enter we can always do good work and we can always find things to do just a reminder again that is july 27th at noon yes and it is hosted virtually so no matter where you are you can tap on in and have that conversation and be with some like-minded folk around abolition we have come to the end of our time here uh, yes. together, but we give you great, great thanks for uh, spending yet another uh, Our Soul moment with us here. Uh, no matter where you have found us or where you find us in the future, we give thanks for you and for the work that you are doing to make a more just future real. Bye.